0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation.
1: We pay our respects to the Elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deep operates.
0: Welcome back to the Grains Combo Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge
1: and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. We started out with the possibility that soil renovation or deep soil tillage would be a positive for mitigating soil-borne diseases and nematode pests, that these new profiles would be better able to deal with the pests that were present to start with, and that a new profile, having moved our critters around in the profile, that they may not have the same influence that they had prior
0: to renovation. Today, I am chatting with Deep Herd Nematologist, Dr. Sarah Collins and soils research scientist, Wayne Parker, about the impact of amelioration on soilborne pathogens and nematopests. Welcome to the Grands Convoy podcast, Sarah and Wayne.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Nice to be here. Before we get stuck in, we want to get to know you both a bit better. Starting with you, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your field of expertise?
1: I've been working at Deep Herd and in nematology for a long time. I've been with the department for about 18 years and
0: I've been working in sorborne disease research for even longer than that. And how about you, Wayne? Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your research?
2: Yeah, certainly. So the last 10 years, I have been working in the soils space. I sort of fell into it in a lot of ways. I wasn't actually trained in the area. So in the last 10 years, I've had a lot of learning to do. It's been a great thing for me. quite enjoyed it. I began just uh, in the liming space and talking about how we get lime onto and into soil profiles, and particularly in the low rainfall zone, and then uh, moved into deep ripping, That became a specialty area of mine, and uh, since then I've broadened across all areas and and lately been part of a couple of projects where we've looked at completely re-engineering soils. So in the last 10 years, I've I've come a long way in my learning.
0: Jumping into today's podcast, I understand soil-borne diseases and or nematode pests can be a major constraint to profitable grain production. Can you tell us why that is the case, Sarah?
1: Thanks, Cindy. So, soilborne diseases and nematode pests have the are both issues within our soil profiles. The reason they're such a major constraint is generally because they are natural parts of our biological ecosystem. And the cropping practices that we have here in Western Australia and throughout the world, really, means that we end up with soils that have more likelihood of breeding up these pests and our soil health to combat those things naturally and the soil is often somewhat depleted by agricultural production. And in WA, unfortunately, most of our broadacre cropping choices are actually susceptible to these issues. Sarah, did you want to
2: make the distinction between pathology and nematology? Um, because I've often been confused by the fact you're talking about soil-borne diseases and then nematodes are a separate issue. It's really, you know, it's something simple, I know, but every time I hear it, I think, oh, is that this one or is it that one? Do you want to just give us a rundown on that?
1: Sure. Soil-borne diseases and nematode pests, we split them off into two separate areas because the diseases that we generally are talking about are fungal diseases in this instance and the nematode pests Nematodes are actually animals and they're pests rather than being a pathogen or a disease. So it's the intricacies really of looking at things scientifically. Ultimately, they cause the same issues, but you get an infested paddock with a nematode pest, which
0: is an animal, or you get a fungal issue, which is a fungus growing through the soil. Do we need to introduce soils, how complex they are?
2: Well soils are a living thing, they're not just dirt, so they're made up of the particles themselves and even that can be interesting because the particles aren't just sand, you have sand and silt and clay and rock and then you've got gaps in between the soil which are filled with air and water. So you've got those things. And when you've got those three things together, you've also got room for life. And so you've got biology in there. So you've got root growth. You've got small animals, as Sarah was saying. You've got disease. But you've also got the parasites for those animals. You've got the, the goodies as well as the baddies. So there's all of those things that are functioning in your soil. And there's no such thing as a dead soil because it's always there's always going to be life in a soil, regardless of the conditions.
0: I can definitely see how your fields overlap each other, and you two are working on a project together. It does have a very long name: how dynamic changes in the biological, physical, and chemical characteristics of soils after amelioration affect soilborne pathogen and nematode pests. Sarah, are you able to tell us exactly what it is you've been trying to find out? We've been. Looking at sites and
1: areas in our cropping region that are particularly impacted by soil borne diseases and nematode pests, these are also areas where soil amelioration is becoming more a part of farming practices. We started out with the possibility that soil renovation or deep soil tillage would be a positive for. Mitigating soil diseases and nematode pests. That these new profiles would be better able to deal with the pests that were present to start with, and that a new profile, having moved our critters around in the profile, that they may not have the same influence that they had prior to renovation.
2: The movement that Sarah's talking about is the soil movement that is caused when we go through and we do pretty often pretty destructive mechanical tillage to that soil.
0: So Wayne, has Deephead been doing other soil renovation projects on those amelioration practices?
2: Absolutely. So there's a couple that are running in conjunction with the work that we're doing with Sarah. They are looking at the both the physical and chemical constraints of the soil. Affectionately they're known as the Sodic Soil Project and the re-engineering project both of them are looking at some very different I hesitate on using the, word, the term blue sky but very different measures or methods for re or ameliorating the soil to improve the production because everything we do we're looking to grow more grain from the rain that we get and not lose it to the soil.
0: So soil renovation was completed at three sites in this project they were Eurocoin, Darkin and Williams Wayne, can you explain the different amelioration techniques that were used at each of these sites?
2: So the techniques at each site were the same, but they differ in that the soil types differ. So at Iroquois, you have a, a sandy gravel, or a, it's, it's a far more sandy soil. And so when we've put our treatments across them, it's behaved completely differently to those at Dark and at Williams. The treatments that we put across them include deep ripping, which alleviates soil compaction and reduces the soil strength. The other is soil inversion, most people be familiar with soil inversion in the form of moldboard plough, where we are endeavouring to flip the soil over, so the topsoil becomes buried into the subsoil at somewhere between um, 200 and 300 mils deep. And then the the other was a one way plough, which provides a mixing. So it's a, it's just not a true inversion, but it is more of a mix.
0: So there have been exciting results revealed at Eurocoin and Darken. Sarah, what have you found from the four seasons of data that you have from those two sites? Yeah, it was
1: really interesting. When Wayne describes the different amelioration techniques that are undertaken, for the soilborne diseases and nematode pests, this actually moves them to different parts of the soil profile. So the deep rip, for example, that kind of creates, Wayne would explain this much better, but it sort of creates a slot in the profile without changing the actual profile too much. Inversion, on the other hand, turns the soil over. So our nematode pests and all the soil biology really sits in that zero to 10 centimetre topsoil. So the inversion actually flips the soil over and removes the topsoil from the area where our critters would normally start causing disease issues. And the mixing itself, so the third type of amelioration, really mixes up the soil. And that means that Again, the areas where you would have nematode pests and uh, soil-borne disease issues, they're mixed throughout the profile and that's that's the most aggressive of the three types. So what we found at Yerroquine and Darkin, so although they were really different soil types and the constraints, the other physical constraints and chemical constraints at those sites were different, soil inversion was really successful of the three types at both reducing the rhizoctonia in the soil profile. It did reduce the root lesion nematodes for two of the four seasons. Unfortunately, as I described previously, they are a migratory nematode. So they have actually traveled back into that zero to 10 centimeter profile now in our fourth season. And so the inversion itself has removed some of our disease and nematode pest issues. For Rhizo particularly, that has maintained over the four seasons that we have investigated post-amelioration, and those sites have also had really good yield advantages. Mostly, the best one has been the inversion, but the mixing has also proven to provide better yields on both of those sites.
0: That sounds really exciting. So it sounds like there were some problems with the soil renovations at the Williams site. Would you like to tell us a bit more, Wayne, about what happened at Williams
2: Yes, and this is a function of the, the soil type itself. The conditions for amelioration weren't ideal at the time. It would have perhaps been better had there been a little bit more moisture in the soil. The implements that were used, so the deep ripping, being the mouldboard and the one-way plough, they're all three-point leakage implements, which mean they do not have a downward pressure and it's the weight of the machine and the action of the machine that pull the machine into the soil. And when you have a soil that is quite firm or difficult to, to get into, then these machines weren't working as well as they should have. They weren't working to depth. You didn't get that good mixing from the one-way plow. We didn't get a good deep rip from the deep ripper. It just wasn't the conditions to have those machines working at their capacity. So unfortunately, so in year one, we did see a fantastic yield response from the amelioration and that was generally because what is commonly known as a mineralization of nitrates and we got this big nitrate boost which pumped up the yield. But otherwise, in years two and three, we haven't actually seen that. Years two and three after our you know, initial amelioration, we haven't seen that because we haven't altered the soils well enough with our tillage to have any impact. So really, unfortunately, at Williams, the, um, the implements were not to scratch and they didn't achieve what we needed them to achieve.
0: And Sarah, that meant you didn't get quite the results you wanted in regards to the nematode and soilborne borne pathogens. Would you like to describe why that was?
1: Well, following the same story as the, the physical mitigation of the physical constraints, I think, wasn't what we were hoping for. We did see a good reduction of the soil-borne disease issues at the site in that first season as well. So the Rhizoctonia and the root lesion nematode were lower in the first season, and that was correlated with the yield responses. And again, it was the plots that had been ameliorated uh, responded much better than the plots that hadn't been ameliorated, as far as our soilborne issues were concerned. But for the rhizoctonia solani or rhizoctonia bare patches, as it's also called, the lack of soil profile change we believe is also why the rhizo has reinfiltrated or come back in the in the top soils of of the site.
0: All of that being said, you guys did have some exciting work planned for the Williams site recently, which unfortunately didn't go ahead. Sarah, can you tell us what you had in the works and why it went awry? We did, Cindy. We were planning to use a
1: disc plough called a Grizzly Tiny, which is a very aggressive style of deep tillage. We're hoping to use it. Because it was is relevant for these gravel soils, a lot of the growers are looking to use this new style of um, grizzly ploughing. It would have been really aggressive, and we feel like it would have been gotten to the depths that we were hoping for and had broken up the soil borne diseases issues that we had as well. It didn't go ahead, unfortunately. Logistics, the soils team are wonderful at logistics and planning, but ultimately every little piece has to go into place. So we had the grizzly plough company was loaning us a plough. We had um, the plough to the farm gate, but unfortunately the loaned tractor that we had lined up had an a hydraulics leak, which meant that we couldn't get the grizzly off the truck. Uh, Devastating, but uh, that was our chance to use the Grizzly gone. It's now
0: being utilised for the rest of the season to do the tillage, so that's that chance gone. Wayne, I understand the work is not going ahead anymore, but can you describe to us what the Grizzly Tiny is in more detail and what you're hoping to achieve with this machinery?
2: So Grizzly is the name of the company that builds these particular machines. The Grizzly Tiny is the particular machine that we're referring to. It is a, in contrast to its name, it is a very large offset disc. So, we are looking at running this machine through that trial. It is grower scale. So, we're going to be adapting the trials a little to have this machine fit. So, what we were using by way of machinery wasn't up to task. This, this soil is not going to have any defenses when this grizzly comes through. It is very large. We're talking about Discs that are 40 inches in diameter, which is huge, and a machine that weighs in excess of 8 ton. I think it's closer to 12. So it's going to be somewhat aggressive when it goes through. And it is an offset disc. So you have two rows of discs: ones which face east-west, let's say, and the following set which face west-east, if you catch my meaning. So they're offset one faces one way, one faces the other. Then because of that, the first row of disc will throw the soil one way and then the second row of disc throw it back again. So you're getting quite a big mixing. The benefit of the large diameter discs is that you are getting deeper in the profile. So you're going down to somewhere between 250 millimetres and 350 millimetres. And shifting soil within that profile—it's quite something to behold. I'm watching this thing go through because of the volume of soil that it shifts, it shifts a great deal of dirt, and it is nothing dainty about it. There's dirt going everywhere.
0: It's a shame that it's not going ahead. So, Sarah, what does this mean for the future of this project? That's a very good question, Cindy. There is uh,
1: so much still for us to to look at scientifically for the growers in this space. I think after this particular method not being available to us, it's time for us to have a look at what's really scientifically valid for the growers with this uh, cross-portfolio work with our soils renovations and soilborne diseases groups.
0: Well, I can't wait to see what you end up doing in this space. And it was still great to hear that you got such fantastic results from the site at Yarrowkine, Darkin and Williams. Thanks so much for coming on Grains Combo, Sarah and Wayne. Thank you. Thank you. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back on the 1st and 15th of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening.